Hello everyone, this is Jacqueline Lowe at Grace That Rains. Welcome to the Electric Eel Series. We created our summer series of podcasts to give you a spiritual jolt out of your everyday life to help you to focus on the wonder of God and the wonder of the moment during these very trying times. Sometimes, wonder needs a jolt. My first guest is Sherry Waddell from the St. Catherine of Siena Institute. Just a little bit of background of the St. Catherine of Siena Institute. It was co-founded in 1997 by Sherry Waddell and Father Michael Sweeney, a Dominican priest. And in the years since, the Institute has put on live formation events in the U.S. and basically all over the world, Italy, Germany, Kenya, Indonesia, Singapore. And what it does is it fosters vocations by equipping the laity to grow deeper in their faith as disciples. So they've offered the calling gifted discernment process for many, many years, and also the Making Disciples Seminar, which they also offer globally. I had the pleasure of meeting Sherry back in 1998 when Father Michael Sweeney was my spiritual director in Seattle. In 2003, Bishop Ronald Gilmore met Sherry when he invited the St. Catherine of Siena Institute to give their first calling gifted retreat in the Diocese of Dodge City, Kansas. So it's really exciting for us to reconnect again to find out where the Lord has directed Sherry and the St. Catherine of Siena Institute. So without further ado, this is Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Hi, <laughs> it's nice to get in touch with you. So how are you today, Sherry? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day here in Colorado Springs. That's wonderful. Glad to know. Hey, Sherry, would you like to tell a little bit more about the St. Catherine of Siena Institute's work? And most importantly, what it offers to the world. Well, we do a lot of things at the Institute. We focus on evangelization in the 21st century and all the complexities there, on the forming lay apostles and evangelizers, forming dioceses and parishes and, ladies, and leaders of all kinds to form lay apostles, and also to help uh, you know all the baptized discern how they have been the charisms they've been given, how they've been called and gifted for the sake of others, for the sake of the mission of the church and the mission of Christ. So we do a lot of different things. Uh, we work uh, all over the world, so we're no longer national. We're truly global. I spent two months of last year before um, COVID uh, on the road in other countries working in about 12 or 14 different dioceses. I can't remember just now, um, in several different countries. Uh, and so, you know, so we're, we work all over the world, all over North America and Europe and uh, Australia and New Zealand and parts of Asia and et cetera. So, well, that's exciting. Um, yeah. So you do get to meet so many different people and they get inspired when um, you, you speak to them and you hear their stories. Um, in going back to your discernment, um, before we learn more about this program and what it can do for each one of us, what, how did the, the Lord bring this, this wonderful um, St. Catherine Institute program to you in your mind and your heart? Oh, it didn't. I mean, no, the Institute was, came out of my collaboration with my then Dominican pastor in Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, and so that came out of our personal collaboration in the Dominican province 
gave us a startup grant of $30,000 to begin with um, in a very dramatic circumstances over a single weekend, Memorial Day. And actually, July 1st will be 23 years old. So this has been a long journey. It's exciting. Um, very exciting. And uh, so, yeah, it, uh, it's just been, you know, you, you take the step, the next step of obedience, and then the next door opens, et cetera. So mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the Institute as such was not a dream that I had, you know, originally. Mm-hmm. It came, it was revealed to a, a step at a time as we, you know, got to answer the church's call to uh, equip lay apostles right. in Christ to the whole world. And how did you feel right in the beginning when uh, you were given this and um, you were thinking about it and, and you knew you, we never know how long these are going to continue um, this program, but it has for so long and it's so exciting. What are your thoughts when you look back now at the beginning? Well, it was so dramatic at all. Um, anyway, it's, I won't, I can't go through the whole story, but basically <laughs> uh, the master of the Dominican order, the then master of the Dominican order changed his mind overnight and was going to send Father Michael to uh, work in Vancouver and instead assigned him to work with me. And so the Institute, and that happened in just the space of 24 hours. So, um, yeah. So that was Memorial Day, July 1st, we started, you know, officially. So um, basically, uh, we were, you know, just taking the next step. It was just, you know, this, clearly this was the will of God. And so the question was, what's the next step forward? You know, what's the next practical thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, the call to gift had already existed at that point. Cause I had created it three and a half years earlier as a volunteer mm-hmm. um, in Seattle and had been working on it and redeveloping it and everything for three and a half years is what we had when the institute began. So um, that's what we started to use originally as our primary uh, offering. And of course, we still do that. We, you know, we've mm-hmm. had, I don't know, almost 200,000 people go through the college and gifted all over the world. And so, and right now, in fact, it's now available online. We've just revised it. I got a chance to revise it. I do things I've wanted to do for 20 years. And uh, it's revised and now available online. You can stream it. You can go through it as an individual, or we train people in parishes and dioceses around the world to facilitate, you know, to do the, the one-on-one interviews and run a small group. Um, but so it's now available, and we're in the middle of having it translated, that whole online streaming version uh, translated into Spanish right now. That's in the middle of but it's being used all over the world. And um, so, yeah, so that, you know, so the call and gift to continue to develop and grow, and we train people, you know, all over the world to facilitate that discernment process. Um, and then, of course, that's related very much to our work in evangelization, which has really, you know, become huge in the last eight years. Mm-hmm. My book, Forming Intentional Disciples, came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, because they're so related, because the charisms come out of your living relationship with God, and mm-hmm. so many Catholics don't have a personal relationship with God, as we've discovered. Right. And so I have spent most of the last eight years on the road working with parishes and dioceses and clergy and leaders at all levels around the area of evangelization. Um, and so we've had, but we've had lots of people, you know, offering calls and gifts and things like that live. I've done a few, but, um, 
you know, I, I couldn't do them all. I, once upon <laughs> a time, I did them all, but that's been a long time ago. Yes, I remember. And, uh, so, yeah, so there's, and we also have um, Ananias training. We, we uh, form uh, ordinary, you know, regular Catholics to be like a spiritual and evangelizing companion for people. Uh, people who maybe are not Catholic or anywhere they might be in their spiritual journey, and especially people who are not believers who, but who are kind of wandering or open or curious, mm-hmm. and how to walk with somebody in a way that is actually helpful, that meets them where they are, etc. And so we've integrated some of that analyzed training into our called and gifted training now for all of our interviewers because uh, even called and gifted, we are now aware is being offered to many people who do not yet have a living relationship with Christ. And so it's, it interferes with discernment because your charisms typically don't manifest until the point when your faith becomes personal. Right. So called and gifted in this setting now becomes another form of evangelization. Right. And uh, so many parishes and dioceses use it as one part of an overall sort of discipleship pathway mm-hmm. in their parishes. Um, and so we train people how to recognize where people are in their journey, how to look at their stories, you know, and how to incorporate that into helping them um, mm-hmm. go through a discernment process. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's all, it's all now getting more and more connected. And I'm in the middle of creating something brand new at the moment. So, yeah, we're not standing still by any means. So much to, <laughs> I to never be done out there. Corrected. That, what, for our viewers who who don't understand the word charism, would you please go back to tell us what does that mean and, and how um, what does the discernment mean in that for each individual? The charisms are given to us um, when we receive the Holy Spirit in baptism or made a temple of the Holy Spirit. Part of what we receive are the particular graces. The church, they're not the same as the confirmation graces that you know the sanctifying graces you receive in confirmation that a lot of us had to memorize right you know the seven um these are a different they're a different kind of gift these are a gift for you to give away okay they're for, they're for you to use for someone else and god will use you as an instrument of his provision and his love and his mercy his healing his wisdom whatever for someone else Okay, mm-hmm. and so the charisms are for others. We are their stewards, and we exercise them for the sake of others. The sanctifying graces are for us. They're mm-hmm. for our relationship with God. So those are the two different things, and we're teaching people how to recognize the sign of an emerging charism in your life, um, or charism, because mm-hmm. uh, most of us have more than one, um, and how people can recognize the signs and begin to answer the call that comes with the charism. Can you uh, give us an so crucial in so many areas of the church's life. Can you give us a, an example of that? Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are tons of them. Uh, I know, I'm just trying to introduce people to this whole concept, the charism, and, and that yeah, this could well, be a very... Basically, um, there's, if there's three parts to the discernment process. The first is an initial workshop, which now you can go on do online, you take an inventory online, it kind of sort of helps you narrow your focus, it helps mm-hmm. you go through your life experience and identify good places to begin discernment, mm-hmm. and then you pick a gift, 
to that you think might be possible and you experiment with it. Like teaching, if you're live streaming with teaching, you have to teach something to someone and see if they learn anything. <laughs> and if they don't learn, it's a clue. Um, you know, it's, that, it's very practical. Right. Um, and there's, we, we covered 23 of the most common characters, so there's a lot of different options for people. Um, and we have, um, like I said, we've had hundreds of thousands of people go through this process all over the world. Um, and it's really profoundly life-changing. They may discern a charism of mercy, they may discern a charism of healing or encouragement mm -hmm. um, or possibly an accessory prayer or something like that. Um, and then so the second part is you sit down with somebody who's trained to listen to your stories and they hear you describe how you experience being used by God and they help you recognize patterns right. that indicate the presence of a gift. Right. And they set you up to actually do an experimentation. That's the big thing, is that you actually do it. You can't fantasize about a charism. You can't just dream about it. you got to go out and do it and see what God does. So, so if you think you have a charism of mercy, you need to go around and be serving <laughs> people who suffer and see the fruit of that. What does God do through you in that situation? You think you have encouragement, you need to listen to people one-on-one -on -one and talk to them and see what God does in that thing. If you think you have a charisma of healing, um, you know, as, I, as I've said a billion times, um, mm -hmm. you think you have a charisma of healing and people are worse off after you are done. It's a <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, you know, so it's a real discernment process. And, and you know, we, we test it on the ground, almost like a scientist would. And, and watch for and look for what God does, you know, or doesn't do. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's very powerful. And most of us have never done anything like this. Yes. And most Catholics have never had any experience with any kind of discernment process. And certainly not by being supported by their local parish community mm -hmm. as an apostle, as someone whom God has gifted and sent mm -hmm. on his behalf for the sake of other people. So it's a huge new idea. It's very exciting. You know, we get everybody from 18 to 80. We get non-Catholics. We get non-Christians. We get all kinds. I don't know how they hear about it. They just show up. And well, so it's it's universally fascinating process for people. I think there was a a huge hunger because people were looking forward to say um, looking at developing their interior life, and now this is now a life that they can give and give their ideas and understand what gifts the Lord has given to them so that they can offer it to the people around them as a start of like the mission well we don't it, it, people often do it even for very normal secular reasons like in Indonesia mm -hmm. uh, we had a thousand people go through in two languages it was really fascinating mm -hmm. and <laughs> um, you know and, and some of them were just going because there were no um, they, came, they showed up because there was no like career counseling in Indonesia, that it, and there they were in Jakarta, and it said that isn't available to us here. Right. And so they right. were hoping, will this help me? So it's, people come for all different reasons, and that's fine. We know that's the case. They're, they find it intriguing mm -hmm. that they can come for any reason they want, but we'll still be drawing them back to the central thing: is where are you in the lived relationship with God? Because these are gifts that God gives to apostles who have a mission. Right. I and like so it because it's so... the new version, online mm -hmm. version, that's where we start. We talk about that. And, you know, and we ask people, we give them a chance to pray what we call a prayer of openness, that mm -hmm. wherever they are in their journey with God, their relationship with God, that they we give them a moment of silent prayer 
to just tell God that they're open to whatever it is mm-hmm. he wants to do, whatever it is he's calling them to. And that's sort of this form of spiritual openness as well as discernment openness. And that, that's very powerful because, like I say, people come from all kinds of different reasons. Hmm. Well, I really do like this. I like the program that you were working on, and you still are. And how does that, um, you've written your book, um, Forming Intentional Discipleship, in 2012. And uh, it's, a, it's a very good book. It, it, it expands more on this theme. And can you tell me more about that? Because um, I'd like our listeners to know a little bit more about that, yeah. and how the program sure. has evolved that way, too, uh, in that well, way. Okay, it's not really a program. Okay, we offer resources and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, the Forming Potential Disciples, again, was out of the blue. Um, I was, uh, an editor had been after me for years to write a book on charisms. I told her I didn't have time. She wrote me again uh, at 6.30 in the morning and said, oh, Sherry, I know this is just checking in case. I wrote her back and said, well, actually, I've started one. I've outlined 12 chapters because this was uh, in preparation for the Vatican Conference on Evangelization, mm-hmm. and there had been some discussion that we might go and speak there, so I was trying to put together everything we'd learned, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started it and, and told her about it, and she said, we want everything. Give me give me everything. I've got a meeting this afternoon, acquisition meeting. And so, <laughs> um, you know, I, there I was frantically trying to clean it up, you know, make it look like I actually knew what I was talking about, and, uh, and then sent it off to her. And, you know, like at 2 o'clock that afternoon, I got a phone call because we want it. So <laughs> my whole life revolved on a dime, literally. And I had five months to write a book from scratch. And I had two of those months I was already scheduled to be on the road. Um, so everything else in my life just went out the window. And I only dealt with what I absolutely had to do on the road and the book the next five months. And I got it out on the due date, but, you know... But the reason I could do that is because I had spent 15 years beforehand wrestling with the material, teaching it, failing, revising it, trying again. You know, mm-hmm. I learned through lots and lots of failure. Uh, so I knew where all the triggers were. And mm-hmm. so that's what enabled me to do it that quickly. To my astonishment, I told my editors at the time, <laughs> I said, now, you know, when we teach this slide, people get really angry at us. They implode, they explode, they meet, <laughs> all this stuff, because we were triggering them all over the place. Right. And uh, I said, so you just have to understand, you can get some pushback. And they said, we're ready. We're not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there was no pushback. Uh, it sold out. The first printing sold out in two weeks, with, you know, practically just word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it was so stunning when I realized within the first month that people were reading, reading it and then going out and buying 10, 20, 100 copies for everyone they knew, um, and just went viral. That's and exciting. Nobody could be more surprised than I was, or my editor, or my publisher. Um, so it's, I don't know, sold 155,000 copies now. Uh, it's been translated into four languages, um, which isn't that big by some standards, but in the Catholic world, that. That's pretty big, <laughs> to tell you the it's truth. It's really big. That's really big for Catholic non- non-fictional stuff. Yeah, I'm I not sure the Pope or something, but... Uh, <laughs> you, you might, know, you might meet the Pope. Person. So, I, I... And again, it was just God opened the door. I knew I needed to say yes and walk through it. Mm-hmm. I was totally blown away by what happened. Um, you know, so you keep asking me what my plans were, and I laughed because it reminds me of a woman who 
in the early days. She said, well, what's your five-year plan? And I remember I just snorted, and I said, I have a two-year gap. And, <laughs> you know, things haven't gotten any better than that. That's, that's about as far as it goes. So um, I know, generally speaking, what we're called to, uh, it seems to have an infinite breadth of application. You know, the church's needs in so many areas mm-hmm. um, are there. So, but, but this was, again, one of those things where God just opened the door and, I knew he just said yes and walked through, and he has done astonishing things with that. But that changed everything for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and offered, uh, you know, gave us doors in. I now, you mm-hmm. know, now I work with clergy by myself all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That would never have happened before. It's amazing how the, so, the Lord just opens doors and you don't know what's going to happen. And it, it just, yeah. he, mysteriously, he knows that the world is in need of this. So, he opens it, and, and then people step in, which is yeah. a, a wonderful way of, because you said yes, just saying yes. How would you um, help people who are struggling through a period of discernment where there's dryness or they're feeling like um, there's fear in, your, in their lives? I mean, if they're fearful, do you think this program could help them to jump through that fear and continue on in their journey? Uh, it could be one of the classic signs of the charism. There's three basic signs. There's what happens objectively when you do it. So, like, if you think of the charism of teaching, people learn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's your experience. What's it like for you to use the gift? And typically it's energizing and satisfying and joyful. And it feels like prayer or like contemplation. There's usually people's sense of deep connection between their relationship with God and um, and the third sign is feedback to give some others. And other people are, um, it's fascinating, they sense the gift in you. I really think the Holy Spirit guides them. The, the, they're given the graces to, to somehow sense, even though they don't have the language for it, that they can ask you for a certain thing or they can approach you about something. Mm-hmm. And so they sense the gift in you and they come and ask you for it, even if you don't know what it is. Wow. So we have found uh, the, you know, discerning charism, the, I, just the idea that I really am an apostle in my own life, which is church teaching, that when we were baptized, we were anointed for a mission, among many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, the, you know, Christ is calling you to something really important, and there are people out there who are waiting for the gift I've been given to give, and it matters that I say yes. That is amazing. Because I, in, in God's providence, I am the one for that person or that family or that situation or that profession or, you know, wherever God calls you. Mm-hmm. But you have this irreplaceable part, um, and it matters that you say yes. And so our goal is to help you recognize kind of the indicators of that call and go through a process where you can kind of firm that up and then say yes and answer it. So, and so people shouldn't... So yes, it, it really does. Um, it can be very healing to exercise the charism. Mm-hmm. It gives you uh, a strong sense of hope. Um, it, you know, and the fascinating thing is even if, you know, people, a lot of people are struggling financially right now because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. You may have been laid off, et cetera. Right. But they can, no one can take your charism from you, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, um, that's true. And no circumstance, no boss, no recession, nothing mm-hmm. can take those from you. And uh, and so they're always there. 
as a as a call as an experience you see god passing in the world through your obedience and it strengthens your faith it encourages you it makes you realize god is living and alive and truly present and truly at work and truly redeeming things um and you see other people's lives changed and all of that uh, gives you, I think it strengthens your faith, it gives you a tremendous sense of the presence of God mm-hmm. uh, in his life and to, um, and just, you know, hope that, uh, and a sense that your life really matters. Like we need that right now. And people shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't, people shouldn't be afraid because I know a number of people who say we're, we're introverts or we're extroverts, but you always have maintained that charisms work with your particular nature. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, whether your personality may affect how you go about discernment and how long it takes, um, but yeah, it doesn't, it does not determine what charisms you're given. Mm-hmm. And if you have a charism in an area, regardless of your personality, whether you're extroverted or introverted, you will be effective. You know, so you can be an introverted prophet, and maybe you go about it in a more introverted way, but that doesn't that doesn't say anything about the the power mm-hmm. of the word that God delivers for you and the impact it has on others. So yeah, charisms are. Um, it's a it's really a fascinating process. It's been one of the great blessings uh, enjoyed my life because it also uh, has enabled us to listen to tens of thousands of Catholics all over the world tell us about their real experiences with mm-hmm. God, how right. God abused them, what they've seen. I know that you, was really tremendously eye-opening for us. I know you've heard... That's what fueled our work in evangelization. Right. Well, it, it, it should. It gives people hope. It gives them a relief that they can go out and, and speak about the Lord in this way and be used. Um, what I liked about your book um, a long time ago, so 1998 I read, was that you you also described the various saints who have particular charisms that we, that we can identify with, and because of that, okay. it makes us feel like, oh, you know, there's a there's someone out there who can we can relate to. There's someone out there who is someone we can look to as heroines and heroes and in the Catholic faith. That was really unique. Yeah, um, that's it's now been uh, incorporated that material about the page what we call the patron saints of the different charisms. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no official patron saint list of the charisms, <laughs> but I did a lot of research on how the charisms manifested in outstanding. Uh, in saints and other outstanding Catholics in history because the idea was you could take them as a patron for your discernment process mm-hmm. or you could read the story of their life and watch and see how it, the gift worked in their life and either it, it named you, you know, and you're like, oh, yes, yeah, definitely. Going, no, that's not me, you know, truly <laughs> helpful in discernment. Um, and so that list of all the, the lives and the sort of, I did a, a short summary of how the charism works in the life of St. Dominic, you know, interception in the life of St. Dominic, or mercy in the life of Dorothy Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and that has now been incorporated into, we now have a single uh, sort of guide, uh, material, uh, like a paper guide to the call and gifted process that people get when they sign up for it. So now it's incorporated, it's in a different format, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask an interior question because we deal a lot with prayer in, in Grace That Reigns. So how long do you think it takes for a person to discern this entire, well, the, the charism or a particular charism um, 
I heard it can take a few months. It can take uh, a longer time. But um, how much is uh, prayer involved in all of this? It depends. Uh, A lot depends on some people come who are quite mature. They have a lot of experience of trying to follow Jesus as a disciple. They've done a lot of different things. So they have already, in a sense, done discernment, though they didn't know it. Mm -hmm. They weren't calling it that. Mm-hmm. They need to sort through all that accumulated years of experience and say, that secures over there, and that isn't okay. So it's, it's a little bit faster for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people who have a lot of background are dying to, to figure out what to cut away because they're overwhelmed right. by <laughs> demands, and they don't know where to focus. Right. And so this is a chance for them to do that. Now, if I'm somebody else, we've had many people like this go through who maybe are just going through some kind of spiritual awakening, mm-hmm. um, or maybe they're just they're thinking they left the church and they're thinking about coming back. Or I mean, the number of people we had to come, you know, I've been back in the church for like two weeks, and now I'm trying to figure out what it means to be Catholic as a, you know, adult as a Catholic and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're they need probably it's going to take longer for them because they need to put off mm-hmm. coming to a conclusion until they've until they've had a chance to uh, see patterns develop, because they don't have a lot of experience. Right. And so that... a lot depends on where you are mm-hmm. in life, in your spiritual life, in your life as a disciple. Um, you know, some people, most people, when they go, there's a 10-week discernment process that the average person goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not guarantee you will know all your charisms by the end. Right. What you will probably do is be much clearer about one and maybe a couple others because you're clear about that one. If you come clear about one charism, you often clarify others too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not it's not a final word at all. Um, I took me ten years to get really firm about my the last charism I was wrestling with. Oh. Part of that had to do with I confused that happens to be leadership, and I kept doing it, but I didn't call what I did leadership because I thought of leadership as being the most popular kid in the class. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I wasn't that, so I thought, well, that can't be it. Um, and so I, so I ignored, I still took out a lot of evidence that was right in front of me because I had a different idea about the, the, how this would work. So you're saying discernment so is a lifelong process. It, yeah, so it varies. You could, it, could, it could be really fast. If you, if you walk into a call and gifted and you have been wrestling for five years with, do I have a charisma administration, mm-hmm. you may, suddenly the patterns may all fall together and you're going like, You're speaking before about spiritual awakening. What was yours like? When you, can you can you just tell us a little bit well, more about had, that? It's a long process. I know. I, mean, I, I grew up in a very very serious fundamentalist family, anti-Catholic but fundamentalist mm. Christian family. Um, and I grew up in an atmosphere where discipleship was normal, where everybody talked about it. Had you accepted Jesus as your personal savior, even small children talked about this. And you knew if you had it, you had. Uh, a second, uh, a 
adult conversion as an undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're from Seattle area? And I'm from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Well, I grew up in the South, but I'm from Seattle. I was born in Seattle and then mm-hmm. returned there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it, it, I, I, it, it's not the sort of thing, uh, we're just talking about this on the forum, and today people, it's what's your first experience, and so we have all these people with all these different things, and they say, well, I went through this retreat when I was in high school, you know, mm-hmm. and that was my beginning. Right. I didn't have that. I, I grew up in a world in which this was saturated reality. Right. And you just kind of, at some level, it's pick it up subliminally, and then there are certain moments when you make, uh, you know, a, a choice of your own, mm-hmm. but it's built on that foundation. Wow, Sherry, this is a fascinating story of yours, too. And thanks for reminding us Catholics of what St. Paul taught us about the charisms in his letters. You're doing a great job. I can say, this was not my idea. Again, <laughs> um, you know, I... I had just finished, uh, the guy who oversaw my graduate internship asked me, mm-hmm. uh, suggested, he said, would you be willing to do something this summer to help 20 of our leaders to bring their charism? Mm-hmm. I thought, hey, I don't know much about that, but sounds really interesting, you know. Like, <laughs> like, I was a volunteer, and I was a new convert, and I was, I was like, oh, sounds like fun. <laughs> no idea. Um what I was doing at all. So, um, I mean, I had, I was exposed to Protestant versions of this, so that, I knew of inventories and stuff, but I didn't know about the rest of it. I spent that summer creating something out of whole cloth based on what I knew at that point and offered it that fall for 20 people. And uh, it was, they liked it so much, they hired me half time to do it. So that's how that started. Basically, God opened the door and I walked through. You know, I love how you said that. That's a very powerful statement of faith that you just reminded us of. You said, God just opened the door and you walked through. It's about as simple as that. So I just want to ask you a question following up on that. How do we, as Christians, continue to walk forward, go onward, to find our own vocations through a better understanding of our own charisms? Because it's a process. We're teaching you a process, right? And right. you can apply it to the library if you um, And uh, um, I, think, I think your understanding of the role of the charism deepens as you go through life, as you press, because, of course, they're not, they're close to your vocation, but they're not the same as a vocation. They actually, they mm-hmm. empower you, they fuel mm-hmm. your vocation, but the vocation is a work of love that God has given you. Um, that's larger than a charism. So, uh, uh, so the charisms, how they, as your as your vocations emerge and deepen and start to bear fruit, um, the role of your charisms varies. And sometimes most of us have more than one, and sometimes one charism is really uh, very prominent in your life at a certain point mm-hmm. because that's what people around you need. Mm-hmm. And other times uh, that changes, and a different charism. That you know was sort of in the background suddenly rises now to the surface and becomes more prominent. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of sort of dynamics like that. Oh, that's exciting. I like your vocation. <laughs> I like what the Lord has chosen for you. I like the fact that you get to talk to so many different people. Is there any one memory that comes to mind that um, 
is inspiring or has helped you to think, hey, that's a, that's neat. I know you have so many, but is there anything, one that comes to mind that you would like to leave us with? Individual, I'll just, okay, I'll tell a story of that. Um, uh, very, very interesting. And within two days of being there, I was already uh, drowning. I remember I, I was staying in a bishop's guest house in this little air-conditioned room. <laughs> and I, I lay on my bed and I begged God. I said, okay, I don't have the charisma of missionary, but I need an emergency one here because I am completely drowning. This is so far beyond anything I imagine or capable of doing this. I am not prepared for this. You have, I, need, I need a miracle. I need an emergency charisma missionary. Um, and then two weeks later, it was very interesting. We were doing, we actually trained a team to teach it in Indonesian, okay? So mm-hmm. we were listening to them. We were up in a, a village up in the mountains in a private estate, listening to the team uh, teaching in Indonesia, uh, you know, anyway. And, um, and as I was listening, I, it suddenly dawned on me that I was leaving to go home in a day or so. And I actually felt my first spontaneous feeling was sadness. Aww. And then it hit me and I thought, oh. God answered my prayer. <laughs> it's a miracle. Because then, because the team turned to me and Father Michael and said, so do you have a charisma missionary? Oh, no. And said, no. <laughs> but I thought, you answered, God answered my prayer. I actually, he did give me an emergency, you know, uh, charism. So I'll, he used me in a way that I'm not normally used. He gave me the grace I needed for that situation. Mm. Um, and uh, so I was always enormously grateful uh, for that. What do you think is going to keep us going and hopeful during these COVID days? I, a lot of Catholics have an institutional faith rather than a personal faith. Right. And that isn't going to survive uh, well. It's not going to keep carry us through this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to tell the Lord, I want you, you know, I'm open, I want more, I need more, you know, I want to know you, to love you, to go closer to you, show me what to do, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, open the doors for me, lead me in the way. Um, and I think that, uh, it's interesting, that prayer of openness that I've talked about, I've since discovered when I talk about it, all kinds of people all over the world who said, I prayed that, I prayed that, at some turning point in their lives. Maybe as children, um, one man who's now a leading, one of the, he's a leading layman in the whole Australian Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. He was raised in an Asian, a completely atheist Asian background. So there was no religious tradition that he was raised in. Hmm. He somehow, he said, I started to pray the prayer of openness when I was eight years old. And wow. he prayed it for 12 years, he was baptized at 20. And oh. now he has this enormously important role in the Catholic Church in his country. Um, and I've heard priests, all kinds of people, tell me these stories. Mm. Well, we certainly... So that, you know, you, and it's always available to us. God is always present with us. He's always listening. He's always looking for us to say, I'm open. Mm-hmm. You know, so wherever we are in our journey with God right now, however we're feeling however uncertain this is the moment to tell him I I want more I'm open to more I I'm not maybe I'm not even certain you can hear me maybe I'm not <laughs> even certain you care but just in case <laughs> just in case um, I'm letting you know I'm 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 open I want more 
and I'm open to what, you know, you touching my life and you showing me where that is. Definitely. Amen. Well, thank you, Sherry, for joining us at Grace That Reigns on our first episode of the Electric Eel series. We've been following you through the years, and you remained a humble and joy-filled servant of the Lord as I first remembered you in 98. I want to thank you so much for humbly saying yes to the Lord so that the Lord could continue to bring the work of the St. Catherine of Siena Institute to all of us. Sherry well, Waddell it's again. It's exciting to see, you know, what God's doing in, in and through you and, uh, and Bishop and, you know, the stories from your travels and your ministry. So, you know, and that part of the, that's part of the, the joy of doing the Calls and Gifted is to see, is to watch people walk into, you know, start to use their charisms and walk into God's purposes for them and to see the fruit. The fruit of the fruit of their fruit. <laughs> I definitely would say that it's totally energizing when you're using this specific charism. Thank you for joining us, Sherry. We will continue to pray for you and for all the work that you do and for your ministry and for all the people who continue their journey at the St. Catherine of Siena Institute. And I hope... Thank you, Jacqueline. It's been great to have a chance to chat with you. So, we have come to the end of our recording for our first broadcast of the Electric Eel series. Please go to Sienna.org and peruse through the pages of her website so you can get a better feeling for what charisms really are and how you might be able to identify them in the future for your own evangelization needs. This is Jacqueline Lowe again from Grace That Reigns at www.gracethatreigns.com. Have a good day.